Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Audacity Academy. I am I'm your host, Sarah Falciani. And again, I'm here with another human being to have an amazing conversation, smashing stigmas, asking the hard questions, shattering all kinds of belief systems that we might have, myself included. I cannot bring, wait, like, I, this is the first person I literally reached out to and was like, I want you on my podcast instead of having people come to me because I just have been following this woman's work for so long and just listening to her message. And she just shows up with all of her power and all of her might and all of her energy to just empower people to step fully into everything that they have inside them to make an impact in the world. I am really excited today to bring to you Stephanie Boyd. She is a spiritual life coach. Reiki master, master NLP practitioner. She's just an absolute rock star and longtime Facebook friend. So Stephanie, welcome to the show today. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, thank you so much for having me today. I'm super excited to have this conversation as well. well, It's like my favorite thing to talk about. (laughs) So a little bit about me. Yeah. (laughs) A little bit about me is like Sarah said, I'm a spiritual life coach. I'm also a server. I'm an OnlyFans model. So I do a bunch of different things. Oh, wow. I know, right? (laughs) But what really got me into um, this space and uh, being who I am with the message that I come to share is in 2017 when I got diagnosed with herpes. (laughs) Um, I basically have always been a very positive person, very optimistic person. Like this is, has been like who I always am. But at the end of the day, I needed to learn how to actually like embody the things that like I was naturally gifted with and born with. So through doing a lot of different inner healing. Um, I first started my journey out in the space of um, uh, trying to overcome emotional eating. And then through there, you know, I just became more in tune with my body and learned that so many other people out in the world were struggling with a herpes diagnosis. So I had about like three different people come up to me when I was on a business uh, summit in 2019. And they were just telling me left and right, like about their herpes story. And I was like, well, this isn't a coincidence, right? Like my, I was, I loved doing like binge eating coaching and all that because that's where I started my journey. So that's where I started coaching people as well. Right but something in me didn't feel a hundred percent behind it. I felt like I was like forcing myself to make content about it. And I've kind of felt like I'm an imposter with it too. Cause I was like, well, my body still isn't the way that it's meant to be, or I don't have the physique of somebody who can help somebody overcome emotional eating and all of these different stories were playing in my mind. And then finally I was like, you know what? My sweet spot is herpes. And I never thought that I'd be sharing with the world or social media or anybody that I had herpes except for people that I wanted to sleep with. But it turns out that that's what the universe had in store for me. So fast forward now, I obviously am very active with trying to help people stop caring that the stigma behind herpes even exists. So there's so many people out there who in general are trying to break the stigma. And I'm coming at it with a different angle. I'm like, you know what? The only reason why we care that stigma behind this diagnosis exists in general is because we care as a society what other people think about us. 
But when we get to take back our power and we stop caring overall about what other people think, what other people are going to say about Sally down the street who might find out and who she might tell or who they might tell, you know, that's when we really get to be who we are inside versus worrying about what everybody else is going to think about us. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So, so now I'm like, you know what? screw the stigma, you know, like the stigma is only like another underlying issue of what's actually at hand. And that's you caring about what other people think about you. Right. And that's what we talk about on the audacity Academy. We're smashing the people pleasing and the, and the yeah. making ourselves smaller to make everybody else feel more comfortable. So what would you say is the, like summarize for us, the stigma that you see against, against, I guess is the word against mm-hmm individuals who have been diagnosed with herpes or any STD. Yeah, for sure. So it's like you're dirty or you're a slut or you didn't take care of yourself or you should have used protection. People love to throw that one out there or, you know, that you sleep around all the time and it doesn't matter whether you sleep with one person or you sleep with a hundred people, like regardless is you're sexually active and you can get herpes from one person and you can obviously get it if you sleep with a hundred people. But I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of like slut shaming, especially for women. If you do have more than one partner, or if you sleep with somebody unprotected, mm-hmm. when in reality, like herpes, you can still get herpes, even if you're using condoms. And I'll give mm-hmm. you an example of how is mostly because a lot of people don't know that um, cold sores can be passed to people's genitals. So a lot of the stigmas of of herpes as well is like, oh, well, I only have the cold sore type, but if you have um, HSV-1 or HSV-2 genitally, Mm -hmm. that's where more of the stigma comes in of like, oh, like, well, you're a lot worse because you have it genitally versus if you have it orally. But you can have either type on any part of your body. So I have HSV one and two, I've never had an outbreak for type one. So I have no idea where that's at on my body. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's orally, but again, yeah. it could be anywhere on me since mm-hmm. I've never had an outbreak for it. That's the only way to know where it's at on your body is if you've had an outbreak for it. So again, the stigma behind, you know, like you must've slept with so many people and I'll be the first to tell you, like, I haven't been an innocent angel. Like I <laughs> love me some sex. I love, you know, <laughs> feeling empowered in that way. But at the same time, like being able to freely say that it took me a long time to do that as well, to be like, look, like I'm a woman who loves sex, like, mm-hmm. and that's okay. That doesn't make me any less of a person that doesn't make me, you know, whatever society wants to put you in a box and label you as it's like, mm-hmm. that just makes me, me. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, um, is there a higher rate of diagnosis in, uh, in a gender specific, or is it pretty much equal across all genders? Yeah. So from my understanding, uh, mostly women find out that they have it because men go undetected because Mm -hmm. of their, you know, it's on the outside. So they don't really notice, or it could look like a little paper cut. It could look like a little pimple. Mine literally started, which I thought it looked like a spider bite. When I woke up, it looked like a little tiny scratch mark at first. And then it turned into like a tiny, tiny pimple. And then like throughout the day, it turned into like a quarter size of like blisters on my left butt cheek. So like, luckily I got into the doctor's office, like within 24 hours. And she like, was like, um, I think this is herpes. 
And I was like, what, what do you mean? So like a lot of the times with men specifically, it goes undetected because they're not paying attention to, you know, it looks like a razor burn or a little tiny rash for a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys that I know, they don't disclose to people either because I've had so many men say like, oh, like I get cold sores or, oh, me too. And I was like, well, were you going to tell me? You know, like, that's where I like draw the line. And it's a turnoff for me of like, why did I have to be the one to bring this up to you first Mm -hmm. before you, you know, decide to have that conversation with me? So I wouldn't say it's gender specific. I would just say that I think more women know that they have it versus Mm -hmm. men finding out they just are a lot more asymptomatic. Mm -hmm. We're, I feel like a whole lot more if we see something, we're like, what's that? What's going on here? Is that, is that an ingrown hair? Is that a pimple? Is that, did I cut myself? Like we're very in tune. Guys are just like rub some dirt in and I'll be all right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Which plays a part into the stigma as well. You know, it's like, get yourself checked out. (laughs) Yeah. Like this is, you're not immune. Nobody's immune to these things and it's normal. And let's normalize having these conversations and just putting our sexual health and our health in general, you know, at the forefront of our minds, like pay attention to these things. Yes. Yes. So when you first got diagnosed, what was your reaction? Uh, I didn't want people to touch me. (laughs) I didn't want people to hug me. I, fell for the stigma. I was like, shit, this means I'm dirty now. This means that nobody's going to want to sleep with me again. I was definitely from, I'm from Wilmington, Delaware. I was a popular bartender at this popping spot. Like, so people knew who I was. I knew the clientele in there and how much they liked to talk shit about people and the drama and the this and the that. And I was like, holy shit. Like if I tell one person, they tell another person, like that's going to ruin my chances of being able to be with anybody because who Mm -hmm. wants to be with the girl that has herpes? Like now I'm like, who wouldn't want to be with the girl who has herpes? (laughs) Right. But it's funny how, you know, at first I was like, I can't even tell people about this. Like I told a couple of friends and, you know, at first your friends are like, it's not a big deal, but like, it's not a big deal to you because you didn't just get this diagnosis of something that you. doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's totally valid, you know, like obviously now, like when people tell me, I'm like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like so many people have it, but it is a big deal in that moment again, because we care so much about what people think about us. Like it wasn't any of my internal stuff. Like where did I learn that herpes was dirty? Where did I learn that that made me gross or all these things? And that's what I had to like start unraveling for myself of like, oh, these are all other people's beliefs. Like these aren't even what my experience of having this virus has been for me. So now like I really always encourage people to like find out like what does having herpes mean for you versus like what does having herpes mean to society Because what it means to you most likely is that you have to pay attention to your body more. You have to take care of yourself better. You have to get better rest, maybe not drink as much, maybe look at your stress levels, like all of these things. In my opinion, like herpes is like one of the greatest life teachers that people can have because the moment I'm too stressed or don't get enough sleep or drink too much, my body is literally like, bitch, like, oh no. And then I'll have an outbreak. So it's like a little check engine light. And a little superpower that you get inside of your body, regardless of if you like it or not. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm, it sounds like when you got first got diagnosed and I'm sure the way it is for a lot of people, you get diagnosed and immediately you jump to the world's projections of what it means instead of stepping back and going, what does this actually mean for me? Is this life threatening in the moment? Is this like, what's going to happen? How can I learn from this? How can I benefit from this? How is this positively impacting me? It's all in the perspective and the thought process and really setting those boundaries with what the rest of the world is saying about you. Cause at the end of the day, it's not their body. It's not, it's not, it's yeah. not their life. It's not, they're not the one who has, unless it's a potential partner, they're not the one who's included in the conversations that you have to have about this. So yeah. at what point did you really realize, Oh, this is like a magical little superpower that I have. How did the, how did you get from that initial reaction with your diagnosis to where you are today? It definitely took me. So for the first year, I was like in denial about it. I was like, we're just going to tuck this in the deep, dark corner. You know, like I told a couple of people, but I was like, we're just, we're going to keep this little bad boy on the rack. Like, absolutely not. And I was also told by my doctor that unless I was having an active outbreak and since I was on uh, daily antivirals that I didn't have to disclose to people. So my first year, I was still sleeping with people the same way that I was before. You would have thought that I would have learned and would have been like, let's have these sexual health conversations then. But I was also like, well, I don't want to have these conversations because then I have to tell this person that I'm herpes. Mm -hmm. So from there, I kind of, again, like started investing in myself. Um, I took my first program to overcome emotional eating and that just unlocked everything that was already inside of me. And I was like, oh shit. And then I hired another coach who, you know, we just dug deeper and deeper into everything that was going on internally. And finally I was like, why am I letting this like hold me back from anything. It was literally like a little rain cloud over my head that I couldn't stop thinking about every single day. I'd wake up like, I have herpes and I'm going to have to tell somebody I have herpes. And then finally, like just uncovering and, un, you know, peeling the onion back on myself. I was like, wait, 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 <laughs> like this is, this is my herpes story, not what society wants to say that having herpes means. So one day I just posted a long post of like, yeah, one day I broke, woke up with a spider bite and it was herpes basically. <laughs> and the world was like, oh my God, well, the Facebook world, you know, like mm -hmm. social media world. And I never looked back. <laughs> That's amazing. How empowering, like to take it yeah. from the world, giving you labels and assumptions about what it means about you to flipping it around and turning it into not only something that's empowering for you in your personal life, but empowering for you in your professional life as well. And now yep. you can really stand up as like, a what is it? A, a, like a lighthouse for people who are struggling with this, who feel literally the exact same way that you did not too long ago and you're yep. helping them. Yep. That's just yeah, it's amazing. And I read I your posts. Like there is no, you don't hold back. It's what you're one of my, <laughs> every time Stephanie posts, I'm just like, yay. What's she got to say today? <laughs> Love that. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I get people who have been diagnosed for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years being like, I don't know how you do it, you know? And they're just like, thank you so much for like giving me permission to stop caring so deeply about it, mm -hmm. but it, it's never the herpes. I always used to say the herpes is just the cherry on top of all the other shit that people have been through. Herpes is the, the, the like stamp on you of like, 
I knew it. I knew I was a piece of shit. I knew that my body wasn't good enough. I knew that, you know, I shouldn't have slept with all those people. Like, and it just like unravels all that inside of you and stamps that approval of like, that's it. Like now this is my out of like, I don't have to be vulnerable with people. I don't have to fully let people see who I am. And I'm just like, absolutely not. <laughs> like herpes gets to empower you to have better sex, to have deeper conversations, to have such vulnerable connections with people. Because if I can't talk to somebody about herpes, I'm just like, ew, like what's wrong with you? You know, like if you can't have conversations about sexual health, then why are you having sex with them? Like that's like, like the conversation is deeper levels of intimacy than the physical contact is, right? You would think, but I don't, (laughs) most people in society are scared to have those vulnerable conversations because they're so scared of fully being seen and being rejected. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you're not, there's never rejection. There's always redirection. Like I have a program named rejected to redirected because I'm like, you know, you're never, you're never being rejected. No, even if it feels like it in that moment, if somebody's rejecting you because you have herpes, like really are they is that really the reason why or are they using that because they're like holy shit this person had that you know that confidence in order to tell me that they had this thing inside of them which most people want to mask over any of their flaws or insecurities or things like that so to me like I keep saying it's a superpower and it's a blessing (laughs) what was the first time do you remember the first time you had a conversation with a potential partner where you disclosed to them that you had herpes you know I do. <laughs> you know I do. So I have two about stories about the first time because both were completely different experiences. The first time I told a guy after I told him after we were intimate, and let's just say he was not the happiest. Completely understand why. Totally own. You know that I could have, should have, would have told him prior. I was in a completely different space in that moment because I've gotten a lot of backlash when I tell people that it didn't disclose for so long and people are like, you know, pointing their fingers at me and just not nice overall. But I'm like, look, this is my story. Let it go. I'm, I'm fully talking about it now with the world and I tell every single person. So we don't have to worry about that. So he was not happy. He definitely treated me so differently afterwards, started being like mean to me and like just it would just ended up being a bad situation. And I was kind of like, okay, well that showed your true colors again, totally know that I should have told him in the beginning and he had every right to be upset that I didn't share with him at first. And then during that time, I was talking to two guys at the same time. So that guy and this other guy, and I was like, you know what? this is it. This is, this is me going to tell beforehand, you know, like we were having great like conversations and just like really vibing with each other. And finally I was like, okay, well, I have to tell you this. And I used to do it uh, via text a lot. Like now I'll tell you in person or via text, like it doesn't matter for me. Um, But I just put it out there and he was like, oh my God, like I respect you so much for being just such an honest person. And like that was like a huge weight lifted off my shoulder. So after that, like me and him dated for like a year or something. And now I'm like back into the dating game. I've told like a lot of people, obviously since initially telling him like disclosed to people, but never like in a sense of like, Oh, like now we're going to date. So the only people I get real backlash from 
are people on the internet. <laughs> like funny how that works. Yeah. Like it's never been a potential partner um, or anything like that. Because at the end of the day, like if somebody doesn't want to be intimate with me because of this, like that's okay. I mean, the chances of you getting it from me are less than getting it from somebody who doesn't know that they have it or doesn't disclose to you that they have it. Like for me, at least I know when I'm going to have an outbreak, I know my body so I can communicate that to somebody. Whereas people who don't know that they have it or are asymptomatic, they, they have no idea, obviously. Mm -hmm. So for people who are not fully educated on herpes, how can you pass it? Can you pass it only when there is an active outbreak? That's when you can pass it the most. So technically you could pass it any single time because our skin is always shedding. So there's something called like silent shedding that they like to call it, but like just like any part of our skin, like we lose skin all the time. Mm -hmm. So like the same thing's happening with the virus in your body. But if you're having an active outbreak, that's when you can pass it on the most. And it's, they say that it's usually just from skin to skin contact. Some people will say that they got it from drinking after somebody. I don't believe that. I believe like you have to like actually touch it. Like if somebody's like touching my butt cheek when I have an active outbreak or something like that, like they could get it on their hands. Mm -hmm. But like, besides that, that's really the only way. That's such good information. I'm like loving this conversation so much because I know we're touching on, okay, the stigma, people pleasing, of course, gets in there with, do you want to have a conversation with someone? Do you not want to have a conversation with someone about it? How are they thinking? How are they responding? What are they going to do? And then your own boundaries with, if someone responds to you in a not, I don't want to say negative way, but if they reject you for it, right. Mm -hmm. That's their right. They have the right to set that boundary and say, I'm not comfortable with this. Like, thank you for sharing, but I'm not comfortable with this. And you have a right to your own boundaries, which is, you know, how people treat you. You're not going to accept being stigmatized or, or shut down or, or talk negatively about unless it's someone on the internet. Cause who, what can we do really about people on the internet? Um, yep. but we're also sharing really valuable information for people who might not know, or yeah. may have never literally listened to a conversation about herpes. Like I yeah. knew nothing about herpes until I started following you. Oh, <laughs> honestly. And now I feel like I know more about this than any other STD. I'm so inspired to go and like educate myself on sexual health, like after following you. And that's amazing. So hopefully yeah. listeners hear this episode and they're just like, I'm going to go research right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. It's like having those conversations with potential partners, right? Like, mm -hmm. because if we're not bringing these things up to people, like most of the time people don't bring those conversations up. We're so quick to like, just hop into bed with somebody and be like, okay, here's my body, like take it. And like mm -hmm. be vulnerable with me with that way, but don't actually be vulnerable with me. You can be vulnerable with my body, but not my soul. Yep. It's a totally different level of intimacy and it's mm -hmm. amazing how people used to, uh, I don't know how to say it, but it's just, the world is different now that, that intimacy, people are so quick physically to get in that contact with each other where you can pass things and, um, get someone pregnant or, or get pregnant yourself or whatever the case may be in that physical intimacy, but really letting someone into here and into here is like a different level. And we're so shut off to that. Why do you think that is? Childhood trauma. 
<laughs> unhealed childhood trauma. Yeah. And so the segue happens. <laughs> Literally, like we all fear actually being seen and like our attachment styles are, you know, either the anxious or the avoidant and we're attracting one another and it's just all over the place. And so it's mm-hmm. easier for people to mask mask themselves with physical intimacy and like hop from person to person because they get a rush on that like adrenaline or a rush on you know like I'm the anxious attachment so like I get more of a rush when the person's more avoidant like if if they have the anxious I'm anxious I'm like whoa 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 like I'm gonna need you to calm down (laughs) don't be texting me all the time don't be calling me you want to see me I just saw you two days ago what (laughs) literally I'm like I just saw you like Absolutely not. <laughs> what is this good morning text on my phone? Who even are you? Yeah, I'm like, okay, <laughs> block. <laughs> yeah, so we're just so scared to be seen. And like our little people actually crave that. Like our inner children, you know, like they do want to be seen, but because of that unhealed childhood trauma, they'd rather just mask it and have like fake relationships or inauthentic things that aren't actually serving them. Mm -hmm. So like you were saying early, earlier, having a herpes diagnosis is really like, it's a stamp on you. It's like, it's like the cherry on top. Right. But it's that it's that conversation you have to have. It forces the door open or with any, any STD or anything where you're passing information that someone should know about you before being intimate. Right. It opens the door to you, forcing you to be vulnerable. And I can imagine that must be absolutely traumatizing to someone who is not comfortable being seen in any way. They don't want to open that door. They don't want to have those conversations and sex for them. I'm sure in many cases was the thing that they did to just shut their mind off, to shut their emotions off. It was just something they could just (laughs) go through and go through. And now shit, I'm smacked with this. And now I have to be having these conversations. So what do you think is the best first step for someone to really accelerate getting comfortable having these conversations, getting comfortable being vulnerable. What I always suggest having that conversation in the mirror with yourself. Mm, That's a good one. Looking at yourself in the mirror and just speaking out loud, like I'm a carrier of the herpes virus or I have herpes or, you know, whatever it may be, practice disclosing, writing a letter to your herpes diagnosis. Mm. It's really an internal job. So many people wait to have somebody else accept them, such as a partner, right? Like if you accept me because I have herpes, like, whew, thank God. But then that person latches onto that person and they're like, well, now this person accepted me. And now if they do anything wrong or there's red, not wrong, but you know what I mean? Like there's red flags or they cheat on me or they talk down to me, whatever those things I'm labeling as wrong. If they do these things, I still got to stick out, stick it out with them because they accepted me because I have herpes. They accepted me. Yeah. They validated validated me. They acknowledged me. They loved me for this. They're giving you something that they should have been giving, you know, you should have given it yourself. Yep. And, and then it's like, well, I can't leave them because they accepted me. So people will stay in these endless cycles with people, even though they're being treated like shit, even though they aren't really, you know, being fully accepted, but they're like, well, this person accepted this part of me. And because this part of me is like my deepest, darkest secret, like who else is going to accept this? So it's like, well, when are you going to accept yourself? It's a self-worth. Like that's, 
it's totally a self-worth thing, just like with anything else, right? Like there's so many things that fall, like that's why I say like herpes is like the overarching theme of life. <laughs> In my world. So I'm kind of like, okay, drop down and figure out what's going on inside of you that you even need this person's validation or approval or anything, especially if they aren't aligning with like how you actually want to be treated or like your values or this or that. Like there's so many other people in the world. You don't have to just stick either with people who also have herpes or stick with people who are mean to you because they quote unquote accept you because your diagnosis. Mm-hmm. People also, um, it's like a form of power too. like, oh, you accept me because I have herpes. So like, you know, I become a little bit more submissive because I'm like, well, this, well, I need to latch on to this person. And then they're in the power role of like, well, you have herpes and I could get that from you and all this bullshit. Mm-hmm. Opens up for manipulation, emotional abuse, all that, yep. all that kind of shit. And then you go, well, I can't, you know, it, ugh. Who else is going to love you? I accepted you because you have herpes, you know, good luck yep. finding someone else who's going to, uh, getting a know. reaction to that kind of gaslighting and manipulation. Oh, exactly. but I'm sure it happened. Those conversations and relationship dynamics happen every single day. So in case I have a listener who's in one of those current situations and a partner is saying those things to them, what would you say to one of those people? I would tell them that like, they need to, figure out what's important to them. Like, what are their values? And is this relationship, the way that this person's treating them, aligning with those values, you know? It's obviously gonna take more than like, I can only say so much. It's like them changing how they feel about themselves within their own system. You know, words are just words, but you have to like change the biology in your own body in order to actually start to feel safe in knowing that like you are worthy, like you don't have to be with somebody who isn't going to accept every single part of you. Like, yes, are there gonna be like challenges and humps to overcome 100%, but also like you're an individual and this other person's an individual. It doesn't have to be like, like all mixed together. It's like, be who you are and you don't have to be controlled by this other outside source, but we're so wanting that external validation. Codependency is not necessary in a relationship. There are Amen. <laughs> so many other options. There are so many endless options and it's yes. so worth it. Even if you need to go and be single for a while and not sleep with anyone until you figure out how to navigate this? How do you feel about your diagnosis? And I mean, herpes can really just be an analogy for any, whatever deep, dark secret we have, right? Whatever the thing is in our life that we're afraid to disclose to someone that we're afraid that we want someone to accept us for. It's like before I was just reading something about this in my journal, I had written some notes about it a couple of months ago when I went through a recent breakup with the person I recently reconnected with, yay me, um, personal growth. It's been wonderful. But when you have that thing that you don't want to share with someone, ask yourself why you don't want to share it with them. Like, why do you need their approval? Like what in you really needs that approval? What in you really needs that acknowledgement? If you feel like you can't share with someone, I feel like it almost is a very clear indicator that you maybe shouldn't be getting intimate with someone until you really like hold that mirror up in front of yourself. 
give that validation to yourself, acknowledge it yourself. I love the mirror exercises you gave. That's something I've had clients do with their own deep, dark Mm -hmm. secrets, regardless of whether it was a diagnosis or childhood trauma or anything. It's such a powerful exercise to start building that relationship with yourself, which at the end of the day, that's all that this is about is relationship with ourselves. Literally. And again, like you said, if you can't have that conversation with somebody that you want to literally like exchange such deep energy with that sexual energy, Mm -hmm. it's pulling back and asking yourself, okay, what is it inside of me? That's fearing, you know, this person's judgment, just like you were saying, like Mm -hmm. to me, if you can't share something like that, then you shouldn't be fucking this person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm all about sexual health and empowerment and like, go, I don't, Slut shaming doesn't exist in my world. Like go and be sexually free, expressive, go and and be empowered in that area in whatever way you so choose, but make sure you're you're doing it from a place of like, you know, who you are, you know, what your worth is. You're securing yourself. You're not seeking external anything. Exactly. It makes it that much more enjoyable when you, when you come at it from a more healthy perspective. Amen. Mm -hmm. Literally preach, preach. We're preaching today. (laughs) Literally. It makes it so much more fun, more enjoyable. You get to actually talk about like what turns you on. It helps you get out of your head because that's another thing like with herpes is okay. Like I told this person, but now they fear so much of passing the virus on. So Mm -hmm. what happens if I sleep with somebody and then they get the virus? The only way to fully ensure that they don't get the virus is just communicate when you're having an outbreak. Besides that, they could already have it. Doctors don't test for it unless they specifically ask. And most of the time they're going to fight you on it because the only way to actually know is if you're having an active outbreak. So it's like, there's, you're getting catch 22s everywhere you look, but like the more you own it within yourself, like it's so much more free because then you're out of your head and you get to be more in your body and you get to have more fun and more pleasure versus being like, oh my God, like they can't give me oral because X, Y, or Z because I'm scared that it's going to be passed on to them. Like Mm -hmm. they're making the conscious choice after you tell them to still be with you. They don't get to hold it over your head. They don't get to inspect your private parts afterwards. I've had plenty of people be like, well, my partner's trying to like, you know, every time beforehand, like inspect my vulva because they want to make sure. And I'm like, Oh, cause that turns people on, you know, like, let me get a magnifying glass real quick. Like exactly. talk about a mood killer, <laughs> right? I'd be like, okay, like if you're this worried about it, then this probably isn't going to be a good match, mm-hmm. but trust in me to communicate when I'm having an outbreak, when my body's worn down, like those things, like when I know that something's up, mm-hmm. trust me to communicate these things to you mm-hmm. and also trust yourself that you can communicate these things to somebody else too. Yep. And without being like too much or, you know, what all those stories that we like to play out to what even is too much it's sex. What is too much in a sex conversation? It's like, we need to just smash, smash the, smash the patriarchy. We're smashing the stigma. Sex is sex. It's meant to be enjoyed. It's not a big deal. Please everyone have these conversations with your partner, with potential partners, get comfortable having these uncomfortable conversations until they're not uncomfortable anymore. It should be yep. normal to say, when was the last time you were t- tested? If we're, whether you're having protected or unprotected sex, that's a completely acceptable and normal question that you would ask with a new partner, right? 
Yeah. Love anybody so much with anybody. (laughs) These are, these should be comfortable conversations for people to have. So hopefully us having this conversation in such an open forum between each other and putting it out for the whole world to hear, um, inspires a couple of people to have some of these harder conversations. Um, we're going to wrap up in the next couple of minutes. I do want to ask about boundaries though, in these Mm -hmm. er what's examples for you, what are very firm, non-negotiable, healthy boundaries that you yourself have implemented, whether it be sexually around these conversations around what you will and will not accept from people who interact with you around these conversations. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. I think one boundary that for me is like, you're not going to inspect my body. <laughs> like that's definitely like number one, like mm-hmm. you trust me to communicate to you, you know, like you're not going to like pick fun at me or, you know, talk down to me because of this. Like, I don't mind joking with the best of them. I just started um, sleeping with a new guy and he was like making some jokes yesterday, but they were hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. Like we were saying how, like, you know, they say laughter is the best medicine, but turns out like Valtrex is, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like things like that, like make me laugh. Like, I'm not like, oh, we can't talk about herpes at all. But like, if we're, you know, sleeping together and you're telling everybody around me, like, oh, well, I'm sleeping with her, but she has herpes. Like, don't disrespect me like that. Like, again, I don't care. Clearly I'm very public about my diagnosis, Mm -hmm. but like, I still get to choose like in my personal life, like who I disclose to and who I don't, it's not everybody's Mm -hmm. business unless I feel like educating them. Yeah. Um, And then besides that, I really think like with herpes, like that's my main one besides that, like people got to let me be a free bird. Like that's a bit really big boundary for me. Like, don't try to like cage me in or like can try to control me or anything. Like I just, I like to have my own space, my own, you know, routine and all of those amazing things. So yeah, I think those are my two biggest ones. Does that help with your anxious attachment? Yeah. I'm when just you, like, like maintaining your own space. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm also a manifester in human design. So I really just know that like in order to like feel into my own body and know like what's mine versus like what's somebody that I'm just meeting, you know, Mm -hmm. like when you just meet somebody, you want to hang out with them all the time. It's like, like, give me all your love. Give me all your love. Oh my God. It's been like three years since I've like been intimate with somebody. And now I'm like, okay, let's have some space though, because you're going to come back, you know, like, it's like me stepping into more of that uh, secure attachment and knowing that like, if they don't come back, they don't come back. Like that has nothing to do with me now. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's like practicing, like still feeling like the high of like when we are together and then letting that like uh, ripple out when we aren't together, because Mm -hmm. you still get to like be in that energy and it makes it so much more fun when you end up getting back together with that person versus Mm -hmm. like every single day. And then it doesn't last that excitement never lasts. If you're with somebody 24 seven all the time, like you would need time for you to, to feel into your own body and your own system. And when you're with someone 24 seven, like that, as addicting as they are in the beginning, it, the, the line really gets blurred between you and them. And yep. before you know it, different people's beliefs and views of the world are getting projected. And there's no clear boundary between what is your energy and what is theirs. What is, what are your manifestations and what are theirs? What's your shit and what's their shit. And it, I don't want to say it ruined it, but it can ruin it. It absolutely can. Boundaries are incredible in relationships, but that's 
Definitely. Yeah. I mean, we could go for a whole nother hour on, on, <laughs> I, I was so tempted to be like, for those who don't know, educate on a somewhat anxious attachment, avoidant, secure <laughs> because it, it, but I won't, I won't, I won't yeah. save that for Check out the book attached. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, we will. Um, all of Stephanie's links, her books, everything <laughs> will be linked below guys so that you can educate yourself on all of this. So on that note, Stephanie share with us where everyone can reach you, connect with you, get a hold of you in case they want to, you know, talk to you about what's been shared on this episode, follow you, work with you, et cetera. Yeah, so you can follow me over on TikTok or Instagram. It's at Stephanie L. Boyd with a little underscore. And then on Facebook, it's Stephanie Boyd as well. The website in my Instagram bio, you can always check out. Um, You can shoot me DMs. Also in my bio, there's a link to like ask anonymous herpes questions or just share your story with me because I get a lot of DMs about those things. But that's another boundary of mine to like Mm -hmm. share this on this document versus Mm -hmm. like, boxing me like this big old paragraph of your story and asking all these questions Mm -hmm. um so yeah if you want to chat go ahead and post them in the questions box and then that's how we can communicate that's awesome and all of those links y'all as i said will be linked in the paragraph and the bio and the description of this episode so that so that you can get a hold of stephanie and then of course i always tag her and all of my stuff when i put the episode out so Come hell or high water, you will be able to get in touch with this woman. If you want to, I will make sure of it because she needs to be like national treasure put on like a monument. I want everyone to talk to her and follow her. (laughs) Oh man, these are conversations that need to be had. And she's someone who's out in the forefront, having these tough conversations and inspiring y'all to do the same. So, and on that note, Stephanie, what is on your heart? The very last thing, if the universe is nudging you to say to the humans today, piece of wisdom, lesson, tip, hint, suggestion. Yeah. My tip that's come into mind literally is just be you. <laughs> Whoever that is, whatever that looks like, however that feels for you, be you. <laughs> literally, that's all I was coming through. It was like, just tell them to be them. <laughs> Be you in all your glory, no matter what shit you got, we're all just a messy kaleidoscope of, of, of shit, of, <laughs> shit, of bullshit. Yes. Literally. And hold out for all that you got. Hold out for someone whose bullshit aligns with your bullshit, who compliments your bullshit and go make pretty bullshit together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the Audacity Academy, y'all. I will see you next week. Thank you, Stephanie, so much for joining us. Bye, everybody.